Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Chelsea, and you're listening to God's Whole Story, and I'm here with my co-host Ryan and Lindsay Lotsballs with us today. Hey. Again, we need to insert that applause button. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> We have Lindsay with us. We're talking about Job. We're going through Job 19 through 21 and going through, again, these different speeches by, let's see, Zophar and Job this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're looking at. Um, so one thing that I that stuck out to me, I was listening to a podcast uh, by some, uh, you know, Christopher Ash, you guys, have you heard not. of him? Okay. No. He wrote a commentary on Job. So I'm listening to this podcast and he talks about... Um, Again, these friends, these friends, and their theology of wickedness deserves suffering, um, blessing comes from righteousness, and so he was talking about how their view of God, which makes sense in the Old Testament, but their view of God is not a gospel-centered view um, because there's no way they could accept grace. Um, they don't believe in grace because they believe that salvation comes from righteousness. Um, it's just an interesting way to look at that. That. The, the old New Testament. It's also not exclusively Old Testament. I think there's a lot of people that still believe that. Right. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we can't expect them to be like, oh, there is grace. Yeah. Um, but to look at it at that from that point of view, when you have that kind of theology, then you you don't accept grace because grace is a gift that we can't ever deserve. Yeah. yeah. About you guys, what do you think? Yeah, that really stood out to me of just this worldview. We see it all the major religions. Of the world, sadly, we still see it in followers of Christ that you you reap what you sow, you get what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's karma, mm-hmm. basically. Just it's a worldview of karma, and I think we all do that. Um, it's you can really see the friends. It's so interesting because Job starts out really actually saying, "God, you're in the wrong." He's He's mad. Mm-hmm. That's actually what stood out to me is that yeah. his issue is with God. Like it's it's very easy to He's see. Bold. I'm, I'm jumping in your point. I'm sorry, but that is that's what leaps out to me this time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, chapter 19, it's Job is saying, "God, you're in the wrong. You're not showing up like you should." And I can see how Zophar. I think sometimes we get really harsh on the friends, but I could see just in your humanness, Zophar is like. No, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> you're not going to say that about God and says that's not and kind of. But the thing is, he moves into this kind of worldly system of that's not how it works, Job. It, God is going to, you know, bless the righteous and mm-hmm. he's going to punish the wicked. And Job comes back at him and says, hey, buddy, look around. Yeah. The wicked are prospering all the time and right. they're getting away with it. And I think we can all relate to that. And I just love like... How many times can we just, in our quiet time or prayer time with God, be like, "What? what's going on? Like, I look around, and I'm just being faithful, and it's not going well for me. But I look at all these other people, and they're, it seems like you're blessing them. And I kind of, it sounds a little self-righteous, but I think sometimes our hearts are there, and it's okay to express it to God. Yeah. I love the way that Zophar, like, has this spiritual angst. So it's it's uh, Job 20. Verses two and three. Uh, I, I need to reply. I'm greatly disturbed. I've come to endure your insults, but now this is what got my attention. My spirit prompts me to reply. It's like I can feel in my spirit that I must confront you. That the spirit has led me to do this, and it's. I mean, it's 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 funny to me, but it is also like. 
I guess we have maybe the benefit of like, well, we know that Zophar is actually not right. Yeah. But maybe he's an example of like, hey, maybe maybe like take a second and think through like your actual beliefs and check check your thoughts and stuff before you're like, hey, this is what the spirit has told me to say. That's not necessarily a new <laughs> phenomenon. Like yeah. this is Zophar doing that. Like, yeah, I've been prompted. I need to call you out now. And he's not very nice. Um, <laughs> it's almost his motive is defend God. It is. There, and if you're ever motivated is... to defend God, maybe just pause. Yeah. But that's actually a great way. Why to... doesn't he that? It's, <laughs> it's a great way to look at this whole book of Job, actually, because it's easy. Yeah. And I think I probably said that um, in the past, but as I'm like reading through this, it's easy to think that Job's in a fight with his friends. The friends are in a fight with Job, but they're actually all very concerned about God. So Job is like, no, I'm, I'm like ticked off. God did this and all these wicked people are doing fine. And these friends are like, no, what you believe about God is not right. Yeah. Um, so it is like this personal conflict, but it's what they all believe about God that's kind of causing all of it. Yeah. It's really, it's, they're getting to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited for the end of this book when we hear from God. I just like, I'm so excited. <laughs> I do sometimes when we turn this thing on think like, man, I can't wait until God starts to talk. <laughs> like, we're so sick of hearing these people talk. <laughs> it's like, it's like wind bags. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like those parents that can hear their kids fighting in the other room. And sometimes it's a yeah. parent, you're sitting there and you're actually just letting it play out a little bit. Cause you know, don't step in yet. <laughs> let them, let, let them let this play out. And you kind of, you step in a little bit later when they've all all the kids have come to the end of themselves. And everything's blown up. The Legos are thrown <laughs> out the, the window. House is a mess. The toys aren't where they're supposed to be. Yeah, just short of the house burning down. <laughs> There's no blood, so it's kind of okay. Yeah. No. no? And God's like, dink, dink, dink. hey, were you here when I phoned you? <laughs> were you there when I was in labor with you? Every single day. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> that's a great wow, time to end. How about that one, huh? <laughs> Ryan, why don't you wrap this up? <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, we hope you're getting something out of this. Uh, again, definitely encourage you to read this for yourself. You can stick around. You can listen to the text after our little conversation here. But we just really do enjoy uh, walking through God's whole story with you just one day at a time. So uh, we hope you got something out of this. If you did, let us know. Send us a message or share it uh, on your social platforms. Um, but thanks so much for listening. Thanks. See ya. Bye. See ya. Job 19, beginning in verse 1. Then Job spoke again, How long will you torture me? How long will you try to crush me with your words? You have already insulted me ten times. You should be ashamed of treating me so badly. Even if I have sinned, that is my concern, not yours. You think you're better than I am, using my humiliation as evidence of my sin. But it is God who has wronged me, capturing me in his net. I cry out, Help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. God has blocked my way so I cannot move. He has plunged my path into darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He has demolished me on every side, and I am finished. He has uprooted my hope like a fallen tree. His fury burns against me. He counts me as an enemy. His troops advance. They build up roads to attack me. They camp all around my tent. My relatives stay far away, and my friends have turned against me. My family is gone, and my close friends have forgotten me. My servants and maids consider me a stranger. I'm like a foreigner to them. When I call my servant, he doesn't come. I have to plead with him. My breath is repulsive to my wife. I'm rejected by my own family. Even young children despise me. When I stand to speak, they turn their backs on me. My close friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me, and I have been reduced to skin and bones and have escaped death by the skin of my teeth. Have mercy on me, my friends. Have mercy, for the hand of God has struck me. Must you also persecute me like God does? Haven't you chewed me up enough? 
Oh, that my words would be recorded. Oh, that they would be inscribed on a monument, carved with an iron chisel and filled with lead, engraved forever in the rock. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. How dare you go on persecuting me, saying it's his own fault. You should fear punishment yourselves, for your attitude deserves punishment. Then you will know that there is indeed a judgment. Then Zophar the Namathite replied, I must reply because I am greatly disturbed. I've had to endure your insults, but now my spirit prompts me to reply. Don't you realize that from the beginning of time, ever since people were placed on the earth, the triumph of the wicked has been short-lived and the joy of the godless has only been temporary? Though the pride of the godless reaches to the heavens and their heads touch the clouds, yet they will vanish forever, thrown away like their own dung. Those who know them will... they. Know them will ask, where are they? They will fade like a dream and not be found. They will vanish like a vision in the night. Those who once saw them will see them no more. Their families will never see them again. Their children will beg from the poor, for they must give back their stolen riches. Though they are young, their bones will lie in the dust. They enjoyed the sweet taste of wickedness, letting it melt under their tongue. They savored it, holding it long in their mouths. But suddenly the food in their bellies turned sour, poisonous venom in their stomach. They will vomit the wealth they swallowed. God won't let them keep it down. They will suck the poison of cobras. The viper will kill them. They will never again enjoy streams of olive oil or rivers of milk and honey. They will give back everything they worked for. Their wealth will bring them no joy. For they oppressed the poor and left them destitute. They foreclosed on their homes. They were always greedy and never satisfied. Nothing remains of all the things they dreamed about. Nothing is left after they finish gorging themselves. Therefore, their prosperity will not endure. In the midst of plenty, they will run into trouble and be overcome by misery. May God give them a belly full of trouble. May God rain down his anger upon them. When they try to escape an iron weapon, a bronze-tipped arrow will pierce them. The arrow is pulled from their back, and the arrowhead glistens with blood. The terrors of death are upon them. Their treasures will be thrown into deep darkness." A wildfire will devour their goods, consuming all they have left. The heavens will reveal their guilt, and the earth will testify against them. A flood will sweep away their house. God's anger will descend on them in torrents. This is the reward that God gives the wicked. It is the inheritance decreed by God. Then Job spoke again. Listen closely to what I am saying. That's one consolation you can give me. Bear with me and let me speak. After I have spoken, you may resume mocking me. My complaint is with God, not with people. I have good reason to be so impatient. Look at me and be stunned. Put your hand over your mouth in shock. When I think about what I am saying, I shudder. My body trembles. Why do the wicked prosper, growing old and powerful? They live to see their children grow up and settle down, and they enjoy their grandchildren. Their homes are safe from every fear, and God does not punish them. Their bulls never fail to breed. Their cows bear calves and never miscarry. They let their children frisk about like lambs. Their little ones skip and dance. They sing with a tambourine and harp. They celebrate to the sound of the flute. They spend their days in prosperity, then go down to the grave in peace. And yet they say to God, go away. We want no part of you in your ways. Who is the Almighty, and why should we obey Him? What good will it do us to pray? They think their prosperity is of their own doing, but I will have nothing to do with that kind of thinking. Yet the light of the wicked never seems to be extinguished. Do they ever have trouble? Does God distribute sorrows to them in anger? Are they driven before the wind like straw? Are they carried away by the storm like chaff? Not at all. Well, you say, at least God will punish their children. But I say he should punish the ones who sin so that they understand his judgment. Let them see their destruction with their own eyes. Let them drink deeply of the anger of the Almighty, for they will not care about what happens to their family after they are dead." 
But who can teach a lesson to God since he judges even the most powerful? One person dies in prosperity, completely comfortable and secure, the picture of good health, vigorous and fit. Another person dies in bitter poverty, never having tasted the good life. But both are buried in the same dust, both eaten by the same maggots. Look, I know what you're thinking. I know the schemes you plot against me. You will tell me of rich and wicked people whose houses have vanished because of their sins. But ask those who have been around, and they will tell you the truth. Evil people are spared in times of calamity and are allowed to escape disaster. No one criticizes them openly or pays them back for what they have done. When they are carried to the grave, an honor guard keeps watch at their tomb. A great funeral procession goes to the cemetery. Many pay their respects as the body is laid to rest, and the earth gives sweet repose. How can your empty cliches comfort me? All your explanations are lies. 